much. Daniel, appreciate it. So um, <clears throat> a quick recap of the series um, that we just finished last week. Um, we wrapped up our God questions series. Um, our question was, can you lose your salvation? Which we carefully studied the parable of the sower and determined no, that, and this is a quote, faith that fizzles out before the finish was flawed from the first. And that was from D.L. Moody. And uh, John 10, 28, 30, Jesus says, I gave them eternal life. They shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. And so last week's question was, what is my life's purpose? Um, to live for solely day gloria, for God's glory alone, coming from Ecclesiastes 12, 13 through 14. Um, so with that, we should always start in a place to ask God um, the plan for our lives, which is a great place to start. And how Piper uh, said this way, how God is most glorified in us, or Christ is most magnified in us when we are most satisfied in him. Um, which John Piper would say is the purpose in life. <clears throat> so um, if you've missed any of the rooted messages, Megan Fitzpatrick, um, she put them all online. So all you need to do is go online and just click the link, and there it is. So tonight, <clears throat> what we're going to do is kind of, a, of an intro um, of Colossians as our summer series, um, but we're going to get right into the text as well uh, near the end. So <clears throat> there's a uh, duck phone going on. <laughs> yes. Um, so in uh, 2002, um, has anyone ever seen this movie? Catch me if you can. Okay. So it's a 2002 movie. It's a classic movie, of course, um, when Steven Spielberg uh, directs anything. It's an amazing movie. Well, he depicts this man, Frank Aberg uh, Abagnale Jr., who was a master impersonator and a counterfeiter who defrauded uh, the U.S. Mint of $2.5 million from ca counterfeit bills and uh, checks. Uh, and at age 16, which is really crazy because it's a, it's a, a real story, um, this man pretended to be a pilot for Pan Am um, uh, flights, and he posed as a, um, a uh, flight um, man, a doctor, lawyer, among all the other things, an airline pilot, which, I, I mean, I'm sitting here thinking, like, how could you even pose as an airline pilot? Yeah. But he did it, which is, that's why I was like, what? Okay, so he did it, um, and he got caught. He was sentenced to 12 years in prison. Mm. After five years in prison, Frank made a deal with the FBI, and what he did then was to help uh, identify other counterfeiters. Um, so Frank, in an interview, um, said basically, just like any other federal agent trying to spot a fake, he said, no one learns to spot a counterfeit bill by studying a counterfeit. They study the real, genuine, authentic thing. So when they see a fraud or bogus representation or a counterfeit, they know the difference between a real one and a fake one. Counterfeits are made in the exact imitation of the real thing with, with a clear intention to deceive or defraud another. So if you don't know what I mean, just go to a um, flea market and see how cheap a pair of uh, Ray-Bans are. Um, I'm sure they're high quality, totally illegal, ready to sell like the Michael Kors or Gucci bags. Um, it's crazy how real authentic products are magically discounted, you know? Um, so 
And here lies the problem that the Apostle Paul is dealing with and he addresses in the letter of Colossians. So writing to, and this is a really bad map, I apologize, um, writing to the church of Colossae in 62 AD, which if it weren't wiped off a map by the earthquake, um, it would be in modern day Turkey today, which is kind of look, kind of looks like this. Um, so Paul <clears throat> is writing to a church and notice this is that he never started. He never, he never met the people there. And the problem of this counterfeit truth that was going, uh, going around in Colossae um, was this Gnostic um, myth or a heresy, which we'll get into in a second. Um, but this must have been a, a real problem for Paul to address. Um, otherwise, he wouldn't have done it. So not only did the Gnostics, who were the people, um, successfully deceiving people um, within the church into becoming Gnostics themselves, but they were misleading ideas about uh, how Christians, uh, and, and that actually crept into the teaching uh, in the church, which was a real issue. So, as I mentioned, um, the people spreading it were called the Gnostics. And uh, the most ironic thing about this, um, about their counterfeit truth, was that um, their name in Greek translates from the word gnosis, um, which means having knowledge which could not be farther from the truth with their heresy. Um, truthfully, what it was was this demonic attack upon the truth, uh, the biblical truth of, of the word of God. And when we look at the book of Colossians, um, we will uh, unpack their lies. Paul unpacks their lies um, through the text. Um, but for introduction's sake, it's important that I think all of us have a kind of a baseline knowledge or a kind of a rudimentary um, understanding of what the Gnostics believed um, so we can kind of address the counterfeit um, truths that, that are within it. So um, if you're like me and you, you know, start the first page of, of Colossians and you go to the end, um, without any kind of historical context, you could totally miss the background of what Paul was actually saying um, in, in this letter. Um, and this was that Gnostic myth within the text. Um, so Gnosticism, for short, was a powerful distortion of the truth that rejected and denied the deity of Christ Jesus, that Jesus was not God. And we know that the Bible is clear that Jesus was God. In John 10.30, Jesus says, I and the Father are one. They also denied the incarnation of Christ, Jesus, who is God becoming fully man, but still fully God. And in this way, they use this to discredit the authority of Christ Jesus. So Jesus did become a man, but he was fully God. John 1.14 says this, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory is the only son from the Father, full of grace and in truth. They also rejected the bodily resurrection of Christ Jesus. Jesus did rise from the dead and appeared um, to many in bodily form. Luke 24, 6 through 7 says, he is here, he is risen. Um, and Gnostics, if, I don't know if you can read that. I kind of shoved it at the bottom. I should have made it a little bigger. Um, but Gnostics believed that one's works denying um, the rejection of material possessions. So uh, physical needs, in some case, they would uh, fast for dangerous amounts of time um, to kind of, um, I guess, um, 
unlock this piece of God that was within them and gain this secret knowledge that they were trying to attain. Um, and, and, and within this, they believed that this knowledge would unite them with God. Um, they believed in the secret knowledge that they could release this God spark that was within them. And it's super interesting, allowing the human spirit to be free from what they said was a, a naturally evil body. Because of all of these weird distorted views, they held that God, the uh, God of creation was not the pure God. And through, I guess, this process of illumination and enlightenment, which we see a lot in other Eastern religions and, and you know, do-it-yourself religions, Gnostics considered this element of their salvation kind of a mystical sense, so a works-based um, religion. So Gnostics noted, and this is interesting when I was doing the research, um, since they believe that, well, they know that bodies decay, they rot and they die, they thought their bodies were very unimportant. And they deemed it to be created by an inferior being and considered them evil. And the only way to overcome this evil was to find the power and the knowledge and holiness within themselves. So on both sides of the coin with Gnosticism today, um, which I think some of us are familiar with the uh, New Age movement, um, healing stones, spirit guides, kind of enlightenment, tarot cards, um, all of that. Um, some people want to re completely reject the physical needs of their body and the material world to gain some kind of, I guess, twisted, fake, strict moral spiritual standing, which is exactly what Gnosticism stood for. So Gnosticism hasn't just crept into society today, but the truth of the matter, it's, it's always been there from day one. Um, and it's clearly the opposite of what Christianity stands for and what Paul would call a counterfeit gospel. But in that same breath, you also have to consider the other side of Gnosticism when they fully embrace all of the immaterial and physical, like the sense of pleasure, the meaning through uh, hedonistic pursuit of pleasure, their sensual indulgences, um, because they believed that their body was unimportant. So their understanding of, well, I'm my own God, right, was clearly not the gospel either. So neither escaping this material of physical world or embracing it fully is the spiritual answer or key to enlightenment that the, the Gnostics thought. Um, so they thought, you know, you could earn it by doing these things. And we know um, through the gospel that salvation is not earned. It is a gift given by God, by Christ Jesus. So salvation is, is, is through faith. In Christ Jesus, but not by works. For it has been by grace that you are saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, that no one can boast. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. And lastly, they uh, had this direct revelation, they thought, from this knowledge that they obtained, that gave them insight over any Christian writings, any religion uh, or re religiosity, um, Gnostic texts dealt with in terms of, of enlightenment as opposed to repentance. So what they did there was they discarded any sense or understanding of sin. And so the truth of the matter is sin abounds in all our lives, in my lives, right? Um, and repentance must occur. 
For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Christ Jesus for the remission of sins. That's Acts 2.32. So, you might... Oh, <laughs> darn it! Okay, so you might be thinking here, sitting here today, like, this spark of God, right, which I mentioned the Gnostics believed in, um, thinking that they could make themselves God, might lead to something maybe involving uh, Infinity Stone, Thanos, Iron Man, and maybe a future Avengers movie named Avengers Game On. Um, but I'm sorry to disappoint you. The fact is that Gnosticism is still around today. Pastor Mark Sayers, um, a great author and theologian, writes this. Gnosticism wasn't just an old religion. It's hugely influential today but under other names. So in a nutshell, it can be easily compared to today's belief that people want to find their own truth or their relative truth. Your truth is not my truth. Find your own truth or from your heart, believe in yourself, or even that you are your own God. And the truth of the matter is, if every single one of us tonight is honest, with ourselves, the scariest part of Gnosticism, and it rears its head in American society today, is that that look within yourself, I am my own God stuff, could be sexy, can be attractive. And at maybe some point in our lives, we've been buyers of this lie, or still, we are still buying it. In what ways... Some questions tonight. In what ways are our lives today? Are we still sold on this self-sufficient, we are God, it's all about me lie? In what ways do we reject the power of God to rely on our self-preserving powers? How many times, even in this week alone, have we trusted in the powers of this world, robbing God of the glory and the worship and the honor that he alone deserves from our lives. To where and whom do we worship and exalt the creation over the creator? Now, I love this psalm, Psalm 135. The psalmist puts it this way, the idols of the nations are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths, but they don't speak. They have eyes, but they don't see. They have ears, but they don't hear, nor is there any breath in their mouths. Those who make them become like them. So do all who trust in them. Psalm 135, 15 through 18. And a pastor speaking about that same psalm says this, Think and tremble. You become like the man-made things that you trust. Mute, blind, and deaf. This is a shadow of existence. It's an echo of what you were meant to be. It's an empty mime on the stage of history with much movement, but no meaning. The definition of emptiness is a life self-serving, ignoring the glory of God and putting oneself on the throne instead of the rightful king. 
And this is exactly what Gnosticism stands for today. It's a belief that does not call the individual to account, but rather that the central goal of life is to be happy and feel good about one's self. This is counterfeit. And what it leads to is to death instead of leading to what life is all about. And as we were reminded, as Dina spoke, of what we, we learned about our last meeting, what is our life purpose? Ecclesiastes 12, 13 to 14 says this, Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it's good or evil. And there's no reverence for God because Gnosticism purports that you are not a child of God, but rather you have the potential to be God, which removes the authority of God to the seat of the human soul. And there's no judgment there when you are the divine. And there's no judgment because guess what? You are doing the judging of everyone around you but yourself. John Piper, which you guys know well because I use a lot of him, <laughs> we are not God. So comparison to the ultimate absolute reality, we are not much. Yep. <laughs> Our existence is secondary and dependent on the absolute reality of God. He is the only given in the universe. We are derivative, imitative of the work of God. We were, he simply is. But we become, I am who I am in his name, Exodus 3.14. Friends, be happy that we are not God. Be happy that we are not God. You would make terrible gods. I would make a terrible God. Just ask my fiance. <laughs> we are fully reliant on God. And when we find our real substance of self in his name, for he is the great I am, and I am because he is and was forever the source of all things. So Paul was not writing to the church of Colossae to simply address the problem of Gnosticism, but more so to offer a solution to it. David Guzik writes this, whatever the problem was precisely, Paul dwelt on the solution, a better understanding of Jesus. Knowing that re the real Jesus helps us stay away from the counterfeit gods, no matter how it comes packaged. So, as we have learned, looking at the real thing can always help us identify a counterfeit, like Gnosticism. So, let's finish here. Let's turn ourselves to the book of Colossians, starting with Colossians 1, starting with verse 15. Thank you for reading once again, Daniel. Where Paul talks about the real, authentic truth, Christ Jesus as the source for true knowledge, to make it clear to the church in Colossae to be to seek Christ as the real God instead of the counterfeit lie of Gnosticism. So I'm going to start in verse 15. It's on the screen there. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of over all creation. For in him all things were created, 
things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his bloodshed on the cross. So starting with verse 15, it says the Son is the image of the invisible God and the firstborn over all creation. To this, theologian A.T. Robinson says this, Jesus is the very stamp of the Father. So this invisible God here in the text, now through Christ Jesus, in flesh, appearing, which is his incarnation, Jesus 100% becoming man, but still 100% God. What Paul takes aim here to discredit this Gnostic heresy, which denied this incarnation of Christ. And now, through Jesus Christ becoming the visible God, unknowable as the invisible God before Christ becoming man in human form, still remaining in God now as Christ fully known, opening up a relationship that any believer can have with him. God being unknowable before, but now Christ in Christ incarnation being fully knowable. Verse 16 through 17 says this, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is above all things and in him all things hold together. All these things on earth and in heaven, seen or unseen, they were all created for God and by God. All purpose, all hope, all truth, all peace, all joy, all security, all life bows down to a God who made all things, knows all things, and created all things and holds all things together. Verse 18, and he is the head of the body, the church. And what is Jesus's relationship? to the church. Jesus's role is the source of the church, like the head of a river. The source of the truth is attached to the head, which is Christ, and then it filters down to the rest of the body, which is the church. So we must ask ourselves this question, what are we doing at church? If we're not worshiping or adoring anything other than the created God, it would be then almost demoted to a meeting that truthfully could have been an email. Verse 18. <laughs> verse eight, it's true. Verse 18. He is the beginning and the firstborn among the dead. There was not a beginning before God. He himself was not a created being. He was the beginning. 
before the foundations of the earth, Christ always existed. And what's interesting is ancient Jewish rabbis called Yahweh himself the firstborn of the world. And they used the firstborn as a messianic title. God said, as I made Jacob a firstborn from Exodus 4.22, so I will also make King Messiah a firstborn. Psalm 89.27. The last part of verse 18. So that in everything he might have the supremacy. Supremacy is defined as the state or condition of being all superior to all things and all other things in authority, power, or status. There is no greater thing than this. And Paul is making this clear that Jesus is truly and properly God. And Paul, what he does is he goes for the jugular. Take that, Gnostics. And here, some translations, if you look inside your Bible there, um, some translations have the word preeminent, which translates out to be the fact of all surpassing all others or superiority. And verse 19, for God was pleased to have his fullness dwell in him. And in ancient Greek, there are two different types of word for dwelling. There's one that's permanent and one that's temporary. Paul intentionally uses the word manimotokaro keio, I can't say it, to imply a permanent dwelling um, instead of a temporary one. Paul wanted to emphasize the idea that Jesus was not a temporary God, but he was a permanent God. And now his presence, his fullness was securely forever there. John 1.14 says this, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus set up his tent among us, literally taking on the same temporary body as a mortal human being identified with our human weaknesses and our limitations. He was in all ways like us, yet without sin. And finally, verse 20, and through him to reconcile all things, whether on earth or in things in heaven, by making peace through his bloodshed on the cross. And Jesus' atoning work here, paying the penalty for our sin, becomes sin here for believers. But remember, it's God making peace for us, not the other way around. We don't make our own peace with God. And here, both the Old Testament and the New Testament points to the Messiah, the countless upon countless prophecies by the Old Testament prophets a thousand years before Christ was born, being fulfilled, and he suffered on the cross, taking our iniquities from the world upon his shoulders, and by his wounds we are healed, forgiven, reconciled. How Christ came the perfect high priest, the atoning sacrifice, reconciling our sin with his physical body, declaring victory over sin once and for all. He is the beginning of the story, the end of the story, the entire story itself, which is Christ the king above all things, the savior of the world, 
of all who believe and confess his name, Adonai, the Alpha and the Omega, the light of the world, the Lion of Judah, the Lord of Lords and Kings of Kings, Master and Mediator, the Prince of Peace, the Lamb of God, the Last Adam, the Horn of Salvation, the Good Shepherd, the Resurrection and the Life, Emmanuel, Jehovah Jireh, Yahweh, the Bread of Life, the Heir of All things, the Holy and Righteous One, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, the Great I Am. And at his name, the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth, and that every single solitary tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Lord, our Father. So to close here, Paul exhorts the church of Colossae not to fall into the counterfeit lie of Gnosticism, but to stand on the truth of the word of God. So what we must ask ourselves tonight, it's the same question that Paul asked the church in Colossae. What is the source of your truth? What's the source of our truth? What fraudulent truths have we been accepting over the authentic ones? Friends, anything but Christ and his word will amount to nothing but shallow counterfeits, promising life, but under delivering to death. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for your word and nothing but your word. Father, as tonight as we break out in our discussion groups, Lord, I just ask that you would make it very clear to all of us, to me, Father, in the ways that I have failed you this week, that I have bought into counterfeit lies and have asked those counterfeit gods to be in my life. I ask you, Father, to remind us of your supremacy, that you created all things and all things to yourself. Father, I just pray for those who may not know you tonight, Father, that may be in this room or not even in this room, Father, that they would understand your truth, that they would come to you beaten and bruised and that you would hold them in your arms, that you would love on them and show them your truth. Father, So many times we spit in your face with our own agenda and the things that we want to do and and our own wills instead of asking you what you want for our lives. Make us into the men and women you want us to be instead of the people we want to be. Thank you for your word. Illuminate the truth with us tonight. We thank you so much for your word. In your name, amen. Cool, so we can uh, break out um, into two groups.